Say that, from dream to destiny. Okay, so God has given you a dream. I know I talk a lot about this, but, but what I want to do, probably, for, it's going to be long, is for the next 10 weeks, there's going to probably be a break for Easter and stuff like that. I'm going to talk about 10 tests, say 10 tests, that we must go through to fulfill God's vision and His, His destiny for our lives. And so I want you to believe in this. I want you to expect this to happen. Um, as as I kind of, we kind of talked about in that last thing, Luke 10.19 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that what was lost. Now think about Joseph. The, the, the account of Joseph. Joseph was a young dreamer. Remember this whole, whole account? He was a young dreamer. He had a coat of many colors. And he told his brothers, Hey, you're going to bow down to me. He told his parents, You're going to bow down to me. His brothers, uh, they sold him into slavery. He went to slavery to Egypt. Was forgotten in Egypt for a few years. He began to, he began to arise. He rose up within the ranks. He became the second most powerful person in Egypt. Now, you think that's, well, that's Joseph, Pastor. That's not me. But you know what? God wants your life to be very similar to that, to the 300,000 or the 900,000 or the person that works in the cubicle next to you. He wants you to be like Joseph to them, that you will rescue them. Amen? Your life has a, has a destiny. And that is to be, as Christians, we're to be like Joseph to our community, our family, our friends, our neighbors, to this nation, to the nations of the world. You see, that is a pattern in the Bible that God uses His people to be a light to those around Him. Amen? And so, God has divine purpose for every one of our lives. And so you think about this. I, I know I get emails and I've, I've been listening to these, these sermons that I was given to by, by a pastor a few years ago and he had been talking about you know the, tr- the crash, the financial crash and our nation's in trouble and, and, and people are saying prophetically that the United States might end tomorrow, next week, next year. And, and, and I'm not a prophet. And I don't understand that. I don't know all that. But here's what I know what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to help you be prepared for whatever happens. And so if you look at Joseph's life, Joseph was chosen by God. Say, chosen by God. Okay, so he was chosen by God, but yet he had to go through these ten tests. Excuse me. <coughs> he had to go through these ten tests in order to get to the place where he wanted, God wanted to fulfill. Right? And in that, there was times in prison. There was times he was, he was abused. He was lied about. He was falsely accused. He, he, was, he was forgotten about. And then when he gets almost to that point where God uses him, then other things happen, right? And of course, in that time that God uses him, there's seven years of plenty, and then there's seven years of famine. And so we have this mindset in the Christian world that once we get saved, we give our lives to Jesus, nothing bad ever happens again. And that's not true, is it? Because tough things happen. I mean, and God forbid, I'm grateful for this country, and I'm grateful for many countries, but the United States could end. And we could become another nation. We could have another civil war. God forbid, I don't ever want that. And, And U.S. government, if you're listening, I'm not advocating that at all, by the way, okay? I want this nation to succeed. I want it to be what God wants it to be. But we, we live in this Disneyland delusion that it's always going to be good and everything's fine and there could be a famine. But that's, I'm not a prophet, but what I'm called to do as your pastor is to help you live, to get through these ten tests so that when and if that, something like that happens, you'll be able to stand and you'll be able to save those around you. Isn't that exciting? That's what is going to happen. So the next ten weeks or, the, or in this series, I want you to hear, I want you to do your best to be here. Jeremiah 29.11 says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Okay, that's God's plan. Now, let's go to the first thing, okay? Number one is fulfilling your destiny. Fulfilling your destiny. Write that down. Fulfilling your destiny. I don't want to spend a lot of time on here. I kind of talked about this. But each of you have a divine destiny 
that's supposed to be lived out in this lifetime. Say this lifetime. This lifetime. Not tomorrow, not next year, not in the next uh, age, but you're to live out this destiny in this lifetime. Joseph was 17 years old when he gave, God gave him this vision. And then when he was 30 years old, that he got into a place where God began to fulfill this destiny. Okay? And it was through these hard lessons learned in those years of testing that God was able to equip Joseph to fulfill his destiny. And so every one of us have dreams and visions in a divine destiny. And God has to take us through some things to strengthen us. Amen? He doesn't want weak, mamby-pamby Christians. He doesn't want sugar-fed Christians, right? He wants meat-fed, spirit-filled, blood-washed believers who can go through the test of time. Amen? Come on, amen? And so you have a a destiny. And again, as I said, you are to be like a Joseph. God is destined that your life will help rescue people from Satan and hell. Ephesians 2.10. Here's where you get this. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So God, you're His workmanship, right? Okay, I just told you that because it's in the Scripture. God has created in Christ Jesus to do good works which He prepared in advance. He's prepared in advance things for you to do in this life. Amen? Okay? Now, I'm not saying you can't have a job. I'm I'm not saying you can't enjoy life. But all in that, God wants to use that. Amen? To be something important. Now, I know if you, again, if you watch the news, you can get depressed. You read the paper, you can get depressed. And it seems like our world is going out of control. And sadly, it, it seems, and I, and I do believe that there are people that are departing the faith. In fact, 1 Timothy 4, 4 1-3 says this. It says, The Spirit clearly says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. See, the Scripture says that in the last days, people are going to abandon the faith. You know what? I have seen people abandon the faith. I've seen people in this church abandon the faith, who are no longer here today. I've seen friends of mine who were in ministry abandon the faith. I've seen people that I've grown up with who no longer believe in the gospel because now they're believing in political correctness or they believe in this other gospel. And so I see people, I see whole churches, denominations turning from the truths of the gospel and changing them to make it happy, to make people happy. It's happening. Okay? So what are we going to do? Are we going to hide in our little bunker and call everyone evil? Or are we going to say, Lord, we're going to stand the test and we're going to walk with you. We're going to be your light. I hope that's what we would do. Because we're going to be accountable. Amen? And God is placing you in a place where you will be like Joseph to your generation. In fact, 1 Timothy then 4.14 says this, Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Verse 15, Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them, so that everyone may see your progress, watch your life and doctrine closely, persevere in them, because if you do, listen, you will save both and yourself and your hearers. Do you see that? You are responsible. Say, I'm responsible for my destiny. It's not me. It's you. It's not your mom. It's not your dad. It's not your brother, your sister. It's not the President of the United States. It's you who are responsible for your destiny. Amen? And in this day, when people are abandoning their faith, you're to stand up for Jesus and you're to give yourself wholly to God and live your life and watch your life and persevere so that you will save yourself and those around you like Joseph did. Okay? So you have divine destiny. Let's move on. Number two. 
Let's talk about seasons of testing. How many love tests? Some of us love tests and testing. Now, this isn't math test. This isn't the SAT, the ACT. This isn't the exam to get into the military. This is the test of God to make you a stronger person. You should be excited about that. Amen? So you're like, oh no, I don't want that. And I say that at times, I'm like, oh no, but it's good, it's good for us, amen? Now let's talk about Joseph. Joseph was young and he was full of pride. He was cocky, as we might say. He was clearly, Joseph was clearly favored, okay? So here we go, Genesis 37, verses um, 37, 2 through 11. All right, are you there? Turn your Bibles to Joseph, uh, Joseph, to Genesis 2, 37, 2, 37, 2. I'm just excited, I want to get in the Word here today. Slow down, Genesis 37, 2 through 11. Here we go. This is the account of Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he brought brought their fathers a bad report about them. Think about that for a second. We'll come back to that. Now Israel loved Joseph. Listen to this. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. Some translations say a coat of many colors. When his brothers saw that the father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he had said it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, verse 6, Listen to this dream I had. We, are binding, we were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now, can you imagine that? Can you imagine your younger punk brother or sister coming to you? And already you know their mama's favorite, right? Isn't that annoying, isn't it, for some of you older siblings? How many of you, you're, you're that younger sibling, you know, you're, you're the mama's boy, mama's girl. Don't admit to that, right? You're, and I was the favorite, because I was the smart one. I'm just kidding. I, I, was, I was the younger one, so I was favored. And my, my older brothers let me know a lot of times that I was the favored by my mom and dad. So here Joseph is. He's the favored by mom and dad, or by his dad specifically. And then he tells his brothers, you're going to bow down to me. Okay, so if that's not good enough, check this out. Then, verse, verse 8, his brother said to him, do you intend to rule, reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Verse 9, then he had another dream. And he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. This time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he said this to his father as well, as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Okay, so Joseph was so excited about his dream, but he told of it, and he knew that he was favored. So I can imagine there was a little bit of a tone there. Hey, guys, you're going to bow down to me. I know, don't, I know you don't like me, but I'm Dad's favorite. And you're going to bow down to me. And he said, hey, Dad, I want, I want to tell you this dream. And he goes on and tells it. So, so Joseph was clearly the favorite, and Joseph was clearly untested in his character. He was full of pride. Okay? And listen to this. I want to read this so I get it right. Great destiny, great destiny carries with it great responsibilities, that requires strong character. Okay? Great destiny carries with it great responsibilities that require strong character. You see, God gives you a dream and a destiny, but God has to prepare your character for that dream. So here it is. Joseph has his dream. God has to prepare him. God has to work in him. Okay? He has to work through him. He has to help him. 
And he has to go through these ten tests. And this is the first one, the test of pride. And I believe every one of us must face these tests. And some of us will face these tests throughout our life. So number three, okay? So the season of testing, number three, is revealing the pride within. Revealing the pride within. Now, obviously, Joseph was excited about this dream God gave him, right? I mean, wouldn't that be? If you get a dream from God and you see it, you should be excited, right? But his brothers were obviously a lot less enthusiastic about this dream, okay? And pride was standing in the way of the destiny that God had for Joseph. And he obviously had to work it out, okay? Now, it's here, 37.2. Check this out. I'm going to read this again. It says, this is the account of Jacob, Jacob. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers, the sons of Bilhah, the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and he, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Okay? Never mind that his brothers probably needed to be disciplined or corrected, but Joseph took it upon himself to become their judge. Okay? He had pride. He was younger than them, they were older than him, they were more experienced probably. But he took it upon himself to become their judge. And when you take it upon yourself to be the judge of someone, there is a pride issue. Amen. And you see, in our society, we are judge everybody. And I, and I was thinking about sometimes, you know, as a parent, and, I, and I, I'm, in the, I'm in the store at a restaurant, and I see this mom or this dad, and they have this little kid, and the little kid's like, and you're like, you know, and you want to like beeline it out. And you think, man... Would you guys just get control of your kid? You just, you just put yourself as judge. Because maybe that kid's been up for four days straight. Maybe that mom and dad, again, they're working three jobs. You see what I'm saying? So before you judge someone, make sure your character and your heart are right with God. And so, so here it is. Joseph has pride. He, he judges his, his, gets his older brothers in, in trouble. And you think, well, well, why did God give Joseph, a young person, such a vision? Why didn't he wait till he was wiser and older? Because he had to go through this test now so that when he was 30, he would be ready. When he was 17, God had planned for him, okay? And God knew that Joseph had to deal with pride and some of the other things that we're going to talk about in the next two weeks. And he allowed these, these 13 years that Joseph went through these tests to mature him. And you see, a lot of times we have young people and they come out of high school, out of trade school, out of college, or in, in, out of the military, and they want everything now. Right? And mom and dad worked maybe 20, 30 years for what they have. And the kids, this young generation, we want everything now. And, see, and sometimes that seeps into our Christian walk. We want spiritual maturity now. We want to be in our destiny now. But God says, okay, that's fine, but let me work through some things in your life. And the first one is pride. You see, every person in this room can have pride. Amen? And God wants you to be in a place where He can lead you into your destiny, but He has to work out some of the pride in your life. Okay, so number four, let's talk about this. Dealing with pride. Are you ready? This is good. When I was preparing this message, I was like, oh God, this hurts. Ah, I don't, I don't like this, Lord, but it feels good though. It hurts though. So this message, is it's going to feel good, but it's going to hurt a little bit, Okay? Because God wants you to move to that place of, of destiny. And it shouldn't come to any surprise that, of course, the first test that you're going to face, obviously, is dealing with pride. And it was probably the ultimate original sin. In fact, it caused Lucifer, who we call Satan or the devil, to fall. In fact, Isaiah 14, 12 and 13 says, How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of dawn. You have been cast down to earth. You, have, you who once laid low the nations... 
You said in your heart, here it is, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heaven, I will raise my throne above the stars of God, I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost of the sacred mount. In other words, Satan said, I'm going to rise higher than God. Hello, newsflash, there's only one God. You know? And so Satan said, I'm going to become, in his heart, I'm going to become, and see, that's where pride begins to work. Where? In your heart. Okay, so you've got to say, God, help me to keep my heart right. And obviously, pride and falling are closely linked, right? Proverbs 16, 18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And I love how the message says it. I love how the message says it. It says, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, what? The harder the fall. So, so deal with that ego now so that you won't fall that hard. Amen? Alright, so here's, here it is. It's, it's just like math. You know, as, as kids, it's, it's one of those foundational things you learn every year. So like in third grade, you pass third grade math, but when you get to fourth grade, what must you do? You have to pass what? Fourth grade math. And then when you get to fifth grade, you have to pass what grade math? Fifth grade. And then sixth grade. So, so it's like every time you pass one pride test, you're going to go to another pride test level. Isn't that exciting? Some of you are like, no, it's not. But see, every, everywhere, every step, every, as you mature more and more, you're going to have to go through some more tests. But here's the good news. Check this out. The good news is that each time we pass a test with God, we will receive a new level of responsibility in His kingdom. Every time you pass the test with flying colors, or even a C, and you learn the lesson, then God gives more responsibility to you. And if you don't learn the lesson, guess what? You take the test over. And if you don't learn the lesson, you take it over. So why don't you just learn the lesson, right? It's just that easy, isn't it? It's not that easy, is it? So here it is. What is the problem? Well, the problem is... <laughs> hit, the, hit the next slide. The problem is your tongue. Your mouth. Right? How many of you have a mouthy child? And You're pointing at them. Don't, don't do that. How many of you were the mouthy child? Mm-hmm. Some of you are like, not me. I was a mouthy kid for a while. As I told you, my mom and dad humbled me and my brothers humbled me. And so I learned. I'm still learning at times. I still say things I shouldn't say. But here's the simple, here's the simple guideline. When you get a dream from God, don't brag about it. I mean, it's one to say, man, God has given me a dream and I'm excited about it and it's big things. But don't be bragging. My dream's bigger than your dream. <laughs> your dream's nothing. It's nothing. That's wrong. That's wrong, right? Okay. So Joseph made this mistake when he told his brothers. And it was the way Joseph talked about his dream. Joseph was bragging. Let me say this to you. Are you ready? Bragging or boasting is a sign of immaturity. And I see a lot of people in our society, oh, I'm this, I'm that, I can do this, I can do that. That's a sign of immaturity. Just do it, right? If you can do it, just do it. You don't need to tell everyone that you can do it. Just do it, right? Amen? Right? And you see, every person, every one of us is susceptible to bragging and self-promotion. In fact, we, we live in a society that says, if you don't self-promote, you're not going to grow. And that's a lie from the devil. You don't need to self-promote. You just need to do. And God will promote you. Amen? Amen? You do hard work. You let the destiny of God flow through you. He will stick up before you. And if you want to move forward your, towards your destiny, you need to learn to control this thing right here. Your mouth, your tongue. In fact, here's what, here's what James says, James 3.6. The tongue is a what? A fire. A what? A world of evil. Isn't, that, isn't this exciting? 
a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole person, uh, the whole course of this, his life on fire, and it's, it itself is set on fire by hell. In other words, you've got to say, God, help me to control my tongue. That, and that's a whole separate sermon. But Lord, let me not be boasting all the time. Let me not be bragging all the time. Amen? You see, if we cannot control our words, we will not reach the destiny God has for us. Seriously, right? I mean, we live in a society, everybody's tweeting, everybody's telling about it, and they tell everyone how it is and how dumb they are or how foolish they are. You don't need to say everything like that all the time. Amen? Just hold it. Let their life prove what they are. Amen? That's good preaching, right? You see, when you focus on this, you'll grow. So the real problem is your heart. Hit the next slide. It's not really your tongue. Hit the next slide. The real problem is really your heart. Right? The problem may seem mouth-centered, but it really begins with the heart. In fact, the Scripture says, this is what Jesus said, Matthew 12, 34. You brood of vipers. This, this is the words of Jesus. How can you say evil? How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Did you hear what Jesus said? So it's not the mouth, it's what's in the heart that comes out. And if you're prideful or you're boasting, it's in your heart. It's going to come out in your words, right? Then he says in Matthew 15, 18, But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the what? Heart. And they defile a man. You see, the Bible makes it very clear that the problem is not the mouth, it's the heart. And some of us, including myself, we need to learn to have a filter. How many of you know you don't have to say everything that comes to your mind? Some of you still don't know that, do you? You don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. Just learn to go, Lord, help me, because I don't need to say, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about? The, put the foot in the mouth. You don't need to say everything, right? Well, Pastor, that's not the way. I'm, I'm not wired up. I'm a truth speaker. Truth speakers know when to zip it. And they know when then to talk. Amen? This is good stuff, right? Isn't it interesting that pride has to be heard. Think about that. Pride has to give its opinion every time. Every time. And I've said, I said this in a prayer meeting a few weeks ago. I have lots of opinions. I'm very opinionated, by the way. But I don't share all my opinions because they're just my opinions. I'm called to preach the truth of God, of God to you. And I try not to give you my opinions. Sometimes they slip out. But I try to give you the Word of God or the truth of God because that's more important in my opinion. Amen? And you see, pride has to tell everyone who he is, what he's done, and the things that he's going to do for God. And if pride is in our hearts, they're eventually they're going to find their way out in their words. Right? They're going to find their way out. So that's the pride test. And let God work that out of you. Joseph had a problem with this. Hey, I'm going to, you're all going to bow down to me. Can you imagine... Your, your sibling tells you you're all going to bow down to me. What would you do? You'd probably have words with your sibling, right? Out back, right? Or, of course, you wouldn't do what Joseph's brothers did. They sold him to slavery. Into slavery. Let God work on it. So here it is, number five, the root of pride. You doing good? This is good stuff, amen? For you to fulfill your destiny, you and I need to allow God to work on the pride that's there. And it's going to be there all the days of your life. You can always keep it in check, but here it is, the root of pride. You see, the one reason that the tendency that pride keeps coming back is because we just chop off the leaves. And the problem is not the leaves, the problem is the root. Right? 
If you want a tree to stop growing, what must you do? You have to cut its roots out. You can cut, you, there's trees, you can just cut the tree down and have a stump and it will begin to grow back. You can cut pride down, way down. But if there are still roots in there, guess what? They're going to begin to grow again, right? And so we must get to the root of the problem. And we must allow God to deal with the root. And here, here's the root of the problem. Okay, This is the root of pride. Are you ready? This is going to be special. I don't have it there, but the root of pride is insecurity. The root of pride is insecurity. Think about that for a second. The person has to boast a lot is they're insecure. So they have to say, I am so-and-so, so I've got to be secure because I've got to make sure you know that I'm a person, that I can do stuff, that I'm special. So they have to brag about themselves. The root of pride is insecurity. And the way we mask insecurity is having a big talk about ourselves, about what we've done, what we have, who we are. You see, we don't want to be known as someone that doesn't know who we are. Or we're maybe insecure. Or maybe we have doubts about our lives. We want to, we want to let the world know, hey, I'm, 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 I'm in charge. i got it all together. And I, I've done all this. And see, that is insecurity. If you have to go and prove yourself a lot, that's a sign that there's insecurity in your heart. Again, just do. You don't have to talk a big game. You just have to play the game. You just have to do. Amen? Just do what God's called you to. Just do what the best... And don't have to brag about it. Amen? That's why pride manifests itself through bragging. Bragging is a way to achieve a sense of security, a sense of acceptance to your friends, your, your co-workers, people you don't even know. Right? Hey, I'm a doctor, or hey, I'm Indian, or I'm African, or I'm Asian, I'm Latino, or I'm smart. I live here, I live there. And if you have to start... When you meet someone and you have to tell them who you are first... That's insecurity. When you just say, I am Stan, or I am so-and-so, it's nice to meet you. And if they think less or more of you, that's their problem. Amen? That's on them. I tell my kids that all the time. I said, if someone doesn't like you and they think less of you, that's on them, not on you. Don't live with that poison all your life. Amen? Because that's what makes you prideful. That's what will make you live an insecure life. And so, so a bragging person, a person of pride, a person that's insecure, wants to impress and our accomplishments, listen, I want to read this to you. Our accomplishments, no matter how impressive, are not what makes us valuable. What makes us valuable is that God saved us from our sins. His blood covers us, and we are now children of God. Amen? That's what makes you valuable. You're a child of God now. Amen? In fact, did you realize that Jesus never went into, into town he didn't have his, his posse go into town before he came in. Hey, Jesus is coming. Bow down, bow. Everybody bow down to Jesus. Jesus just came to town, didn't he? He never had to say, I am Jesus, the Son of God. Right? Do you, where in the Scripture do you see that? He just came and what did he He did. And people knew who he was and what he was about. And it's interesting because when Satan tempted Jesus in the desert for 40 days, do you remember what, some, something that Satan did? What was he did? What did he do? Satan tempted Jesus and he, he tried to create insecurity about his identity. Satan says in Matthew 4.3, if you are the Son of God. And Jesus didn't say, oh, whoa, 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 Satan. Let me tell you, man, I am the Son of God. Boy, you better bow down to me. 
He didn't say that. What did Jesus say? It is written, you shall not test the Lord your God. And he, he just quoted Scripture. He didn't have to say, Satan, I, hey man, Satan, I am Jesus. He was Jesus. He was secure in his identity. You need to be secure in your identity as, as a child of God. Amen? So let's move on to that next thing. Number six is your identity in Christ. Your identity in Christ. You see, the, the ultimate victory over pride is you being secure in your identity. For you to overcome pride is to say, I am a child of God, and I don't, it doesn't matter what people think about me, I'm a child of God. Right? It doesn't matter what color skin, it doesn't matter where I grew up, it doesn't matter what I have or what I don't have, all that matters is that, that, that my main identity is I'm a child of God. And that is awesome. Amen? You see, Jesus knew who He was. In God, you should know who you are. Amen? And your identity is in Christ. Not in your stuff. Not in your title. Not in who you are. Not your name. It's who you are in Christ. Isn't that good preaching? Come on, amen. You see, if your identity is in what you do, or the name you've built for yourself, you are failing the pride test. If your identity is in who you are by what you do and what you have, you're failing the pride test. You must know that you are a child of the King. John 1.12 says this, Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. You have the right now to become a child. You are a child. Say I'm a child of God. That is all that really matters in life. That's your identity, amen? amen? And it's easy to be secure because our Heavenly Father loves us. Even with our failings. Even with our shortcomings. Isn't that awesome? Amen. He loves you. He wants you to live a great life. He wants great things to happen. But to deal with pride is you have to put death to the insecurity and say, I'm a child of God. And in that, then you'll be fruitful. First John, or sorry, John 15.5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man or person remains in, in, in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So you don't have to beat yourself up. I'm a worm, I'm a loser. No, you just got to go through life. Hey, apart from Christ, I'm nothing. But because I'm in Christ, I'm going to do a lot of stuff for him. My identity lies in Christ. Isn't that exciting? That's exciting. Amen. Alright, so let's talk about this then. Number seven, abiding in the truth. Here's the secret, okay? Here's the secret in keeping these truths every day. Are you ready? Write this down. Spend time with God. I know that sounds simple. I know I say this almost every week, but number seven, abiding in the truth. If you abide with God, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? Come on, Amen. It's, it's, very, it's very easy to stay humble when you've been at the feet of Jesus. It's very easy to stay humble when you've been in the presence of Almighty God, the Creator of all things, all day. It's very easy to stay humble. And people can tell when you're not with God. Isn't that scary? Because you're proud. And your flesh is more in control than your spirit. And less of the fruit of the Spirit is there. So spend time with God. This is to abide in the truth you got to spend time with them. Amen?
In fact, check this out. I, and and I, I've been praying this more. N- Numbers chapter 12, 6 to 8. This is God speaking. He, and he said, listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I receive, I receive, I re, excuse me, I reveal myself to him in visions, and I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the he sees the form of the Lord. Of course, then it says, "Why then are you uh, not afraid to speak?" So basically, I kind of went through it fast. If you look through the scriptures, there's a handful of people that spoke with God face to face. That should be our desires. God, I want to seek your face. I want to know you face to face. You say, I'm going to burn up. You would have burned up without the blood of Jesus. Because of Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews that you can boldly go before the throne of grace. Amen? You see, Moses didn't seek the dream. Listen, Moses didn't seek the dream. He was seeking the person who gives the dreams. He wasn't seeking a vision. He was seeking the person who could give the vision. And God would give him a vision. He would impart to him truth, but it came through conversation. Just like you would sit down and talk with a family member, a friend, a spouse, a parent, a brother, a sister. And my thing for us today is don't pursue the dream, pursue the giver of the dream. Amen? You can do that. He is holy. He is just, but He wants to know you. He wants you to know His voice. God still speaks today. He can speak to you audibly. He can speak to you through dreams and visions through other people. And you see, too many people in the charismatic, the Pentecostal, spirit-filled, spirit-filled churches, we want dreams and visions. But we forget that we can go to the dream giver. I'm all for tongues and interpretation. I'm all for words of knowledge. I'm all for visions. But why not go to the God of the vision? Amen? Go to the source. Get it clearly. It says, God says that numbers... When I speak to a prophet, I reveal myself to visions and dreams. It's not clear. But when I speak to Moses, I speak to him as face to face. That should be your desire on this earth to say, God, I want to speak to you face to face. We sang that song, Show Me Your Glory. Moses said to God, Show Me Your Glory. It's important to know the God of the dreams. And He will fulfill you. He will help you with your dreams. Amen? So to abide in the truth is get to know God. Number eight. Let me talk about this for a few minutes. Number eight, and we'll be done. Discerning which dreams are from God. Pastor, how do I know if this dream is from God, if it's just me, or, or it's the pizza I ate, or it's, it's the anchovies that I ate, whatever. You must filter your dreams that are not from God. You must filter them out of your lives. Because sometimes you get a dream that a parent put on you, or a teacher, or a co-worker puts this dream on you, and you think, well, it sounds great, but it's not really what I really want to do. It's not the thing. In fact, how many of you, uh, how many of you remember playing Little League Baseball and you dreamed of becoming a Major League star and, and being the home run king of the World Series? Remember that? Some of you had that dream. Or you, you dreamed of being the, the master violinist, right? And a little news flash. I hate to break it to you, but the Major League teams aren't calling you to play for them today. News flash. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to burst your bubble. But, but the, the, the Washington uh, Chamber Orchestra hasn't called you to play for them. Because maybe it was maybe it was not a really was a dream, it was just something that you thought would be cool. But you see, a dream from God is a destiny that burns in you that it has to come out. You want to do it, and it's going to take a lifetime to happen. 
And how do you know that dream? Again, it's very simple. The only way to get to know this dream is to get to know the dream giver. Moses spoke with God face to face. Joshua knew God at an intimate level. Paul knew God at an intimate level. You can know God at an intimate level. And for you to begin to discern and let God just drift away some of these dreams that are not from Him is spend time with Him and get to know Him as friend. In fact, God says, we sing that song, I am a friend of God. Remember that song? I am a friend of God. That's Scripture. God said, Abraham is my friend. You can be a friend of God. He is holy. He is just. He will not tolerate sin in our lives. But... You, we live at this little infantile relationship with God all of our lives. We go through life just saying, God might save me. God, and, and God's saying, I want you to mature. You need to grow up. Move into adolescence and then move into adolescence into an adult relationship with me. Talk with me face to face. He wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear. He wants to have conversation with you. But it's going to take you saying, God, okay, deal with this pride in my life. Take this insecurity. I know, God, God, that I am a child of God. And no matter what the world thinks about me, no matter what my friends or my neighbor thinks about me, I am a child of God. And God, I want to be your friend. Show me your glory. So that I can be like a Joseph who had to go through the test. He had 13 years of the test. And I'm not prophetic. I can't tell you how long and and all that. But I'm here to tell you that if you want God to fulfill the destiny of your life, you've got to be open to Him working in your life. And the first test I believe God wants to work on us is the pride issue. Amen? And if we pass the pride test, we can move on to the wondrous destiny God has. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to take a few moments. I want to have a time of altar time. I want a time of prayer. I want us just to take a few moments, okay? Don't rush off. But, but this morning, maybe you're in this room and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. And He is the Savior of the world. In fact, Luke 9 says this. And Luke 9.23 says, Then He said to them, If anyone would come after Me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for Me will save it. What good is it for man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very soul? You see, some of us in this room, we have not made Jesus the Lord of our lives. It's very simple. The Bible says... Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? Themselves. Saved from sin. Saved from Satan. You may gain the whole world, but the Bible says you'll lose your soul. And it's not worth it. Maybe this morning you've never given your life to Jesus. It's very simple. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Okay? I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes for the privacy of those around. Would you just bow your heads and close your eyes this morning? I want to give you an opportunity. You know that you need to give your life to Jesus. And Jesus has a better destiny for your life. And you've got to be willing to give your life up so that you can have real life. So all you need to do is just say, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want Him to be my Savior. With your eyes closed, your heads bowed, if that's you, you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just quickly raise your hand up and down? Put your hand up and down. I want to accept Jesus as my Savior. Okay. I see those hands. Now, everyone put your hands down because I want to pray. Now, everyone pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I accept that you're the bread of life and that apart from you, I can do nothing. So, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I make you the Lord 
of my life, my heart, my mind, my soul. Now I am a child of God. I am yours. Now, Father, fulfill your destiny in me. Now, if you said that prayer, welcome to the family of God. I have a booklet, or we might have some in the back I want to give to you. It talks about how to walk with Christ. Okay, It's a book I have in the back. But here's the last thing. I want you to be willing this morning to say, you know what? I want to come before God this morning. And I want you to come forward right now. If you're saying, Pastor and God, I want to surrender my pride. Come forward right now. Just say, you know what? I, I need to surrender my identity to Christ because He is my identity. Come on down. Say, I, I want my identity to be in God, not myself. Come on, if this is you, you're working on your pride. You say, you know what? I need God's strength to get through this season of testing. Come on down. Say, I want God's strength. Come on down. Come to the front. I want to pray with you. I want God's strength to make it through this season of testing. I want you to come down. Some of you say, you know what? I need God's help because I'm dealing with pride. I want God to help me. Would you just come down? Say, right. I want God's help. I want to let go of this pride. Some of you say, you know what? I need to get to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is insecurity. I'm insecure about who I am. Come on down. If that's you, come on down. Come on down. If you want to deal with pride, if you want to deal with insecurity, come on down. Say, you know what? I want to abide in Him. I want to learn how to abide in Christ. Would you come down? Say, I want to abide in Christ so I can pass the test of pride. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Say, I want to learn to abide in Him. I I want God to deal with the root of problems, insecurity. I want God to help me deal with my pride. I I want God's strength to get to the testing right now. Come on down. I want my identity to be in Christ. Come on down. And then the last one is this. It's, you know what, say, I want to know God as a friend. I want to learn how to talk with Him face to face. If that's you, come on down. You've got to let go of some pride for that happen. Come on down if this is you. Say, I, w- I want to talk to Him face to face. Come on down. Holy God, for my friends that came down this morning, we want to let go of our pride. We want to pass the test because we want to move to the next level, God. We want to mature. We want to grow, God. We want to be what you want us to be, Father God. We want to be vessels. We want to be like Joseph, who saved his family, who saved the whole nation, God. Two nations. He saved the Egyptian nation, and he saved the Israelite nation. Because he was willing to go through the test. And so my, for my friends, Father God, that came up this morning, Lord, I'm asking that you help us to pass these tests. I'm just going to anoint you with the oil right now. Father, help us to pass these tests. Help us, God, in the areas that we need help in. We surrender to you this morning, God. We surrender to you, Lord God. We surrender to you this morning. We let go of our pride. We let go of our insecurities, God. We surrender all to you right now, God. We surrender our pride. We surrender our issues, God. We want what you want, God. We want your glory, God. We want to surrender all to you, Father God. We want to receive what you have for us, God. We surrender all to you in the name of Jesus because you have great things for us. And we want to move on to the great destiny. Father God, would you do great things to everyone in this room today? Show us your glory, God. We want to talk to you. We want to know you face to face, God. We don't want just dreams. We don't want just visions. We want you, God. And again, for us that came this morning, we surrender, God. We surrender our pride. We surrender, God. We surrender to you right now. Just friends, surrender everything right now. Come on, just do it right now. Just bow down to him right now. Bow down to him right now to worship him. God. We surrender to you, God. Show us your glory, God.
like Joseph. We can be like Moses and Paul and Joshua and Abraham. We can be friends of God. Show us your glory, God. The glorious things that you want to do through our lives. That big destiny, God. And it comes to surrender, God. We surrender. We surrender, God. We surrender. Just surrender to God right now. Just surrender your heart, your mind, your pride, your, your things. We need to surrender to God this morning. We love you, Lord. We surrender, God. We surrender, God. church and these awesome people whom you've redeemed with your blood Lord Jesus Lord now would you allow us to begin to go through these tests and pass them so that we can be like Joseph and we can save our generation our family our co-workers our neighbors our classmates God people that we play sports with people we we do hobbies with God people we vacation with so that they will know who you are God Because there is a time coming, God, when less people will want to know you. And Lord, we do not want to be ashamed of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, strengthen every man, every woman, every teenager, every child in this building, in this room, God. And then, Lord, fulfill your great purpose through these great people to save the world. Yes, we might be bankers. We might be cooks. We might be mechanics. We might be IT people. We might be teachers. We might be professors. We might be doctors. We might be lawyers. We might be homemakers, God. But you can still use us to change a nation, to change the nations, God. You can do all things, God. So, Lord, let every one of us not be afraid of you, but press 